This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and welcome back to season three. I guess it's the spring edition, as Brian and I were joking uh, on our last episode. Us educators tend to think of the calendar in fall and spring semester. So while it is freezing cold in many parts of the country, we are going to call this the spring edition of season three. And so I am here with you today to talk a little bit about self-coaching. And I will tell you, I was doing a bit of self-coaching. I remember my friend Jen calls it scoaching. I was doing a bit of self-coaching as I was thinking about this episode. And actually, it was the self-coaching that I, I imagine many of you are familiar with, with, which is it goes a little bit like, oh my gosh, I haven't done the episode yet. When am I going to do it? Why didn't? Why haven't I done it? And then feeling bad about it and talking about how bad it is that I'm behind, I haven't organized today, et cetera, et cetera. So I had that that sort of voice in my head, that inner critic that we talk about in coaching, and sometimes it's referred to, at least in in the way I was trained, as a saboteur, right? That 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 voice in your head that's that's telling you certain things, and so. What I often do when I'm feeling a little out of sorts is I'll, I'll exercise because that seems to give me some clarity. And so I needed to exercise um, today anyway. And so I thought before I do the episode um, and instead of beating myself up, maybe I'll, I'll jump on my Peloton bike because it is it's cold and gross here in Massachusetts. So I was going to go for a run. And so I, I got on my Peloton and I jumped on to a new um I don't know, training session that Christine uh, Dare Cole had done, um, I think a couple of months ago, and it was an hour, I needed to do an hour today, so it was an hour long, sixty minute session, and it was a hill workout. And I've done her hill workouts before, and I know how difficult they can be. And I thought, well, maybe this will be, you know, a kick in the pants that I need this morning. And sure enough, as I was getting that kick in the pants, um, I had some clarity around the podcast, the topic. And so I am here uh, today to talk with you about this idea of self-coaching. And I know Brianne and I spoke last week about parenting, coaching, how we're showing up um, coach-like with our, our own family and our kids. And we did talk a little bit about the self-coaching aspect that you can really use some of the powerful questions from coaching um, you know, to support yourself um, in the work and play that you do during your life. And so as I was riding my Peloton bike, 
I was noticing, and and Christine Dercole talks about this a lot. This this notion that we we are the hardest on ourselves, right? It it doesn't take anybody else standing around us, whether it's friend, enemy, someone you've just met, you know, on the street. We are the hardest on ourselves. We don't need to be criticized by anybody else because we do a pretty darn good job of criticizing ourselves, unfortunately. And the aha I had while I was riding that bike, because of course there were moments in these very steep climbs where I wanted to stop. It hurt. I didn't think I could do it. Christine would say, we have three minutes in this interval. And I thought, "How three minutes, how am I going to get through the 30 seconds? And so what I realized as I was going through those intervals is that's self-coaching. It's not good self-coaching, but that's self-coaching. And so... What I want everybody listening to this episode to consider for a moment is think of how you talk to yourself. What do you say to yourself during the day? What do you think about yourself when you try something new? What do you say? How do you treat yourself? If you're anything like me, you probably don't treat yourself nearly as well as you treat other people around you, right? I mean, look, we all have a hard day. I get it. I fuss with my kids. I fuss with my spouse and my friends. I'm not talking about those moments. On the whole, you probably treat the other folks around you, your loved ones, colleagues, and friends way better than you treat yourself. What are you saying to yourself throughout the day when you wake up When you finish your day, what are you reflecting on? What are you noticing? Would you even consider yourself a friend, right? We we often, when we talk to colleagues or I think about a colleague, I'll I'll think or I'll describe to somebody else, yeah, that, that person's a friend and a colleague. You know, I really do, over the years, I really do consider that person a friend. And so I wonder, when you think about yourself, and the way that you talk to yourself, do you consider yourself a friend? I wonder. So here's where it gets harder. I mentioned that Peloton bike, and it was a 60-minute hill workout. And I'm not kidding when I say hill workout. These aren't your your run-of-the-mill, up-the-driveway sort of hills. These are what Christine does, what I love is when she does different bike races around the country, um, and some of them, as you can imagine, in places like Pennsylvania and upstate New York and other places are quite hilly. And so what she does is she designs the training session around that course. So when you get ready to start a hill, she's literally telling you, this is making the turn on such and such street going up this hill, right? So she tries to mimic that. And so some of these hills, I mean, you your legs really really do slow down because you're trying to get up this hill and so I asked you about self-coaching and your your you know inner voice your inner critic whatever the word resonates with you in your daily moments right your day-to-day now I want to ask you what do you notice when things get hard What do you say in those moments when things at work just aren't going very smoothly? When a project you're working on 
you're having a struggle or you're teaching a class and really not getting through the, the students in the way you'd like to or communicating something to a group of individuals in a meeting and it's not clicking, what do you say to yourself? What happens when there are bumps along the way with the family? You know, you know, I have a 10-year-old and two six-year-olds, so there's lots of learning going on in the adults and the children with discipline and lessons and responsibility. And what do you say to yourself when that's not going well? What about when you're trying to exercise like I was this morning on my Peloton? Or, I mean, it's... I think it's apropos that it's still January. Many of you out there probably did, you know, made a New Year's resolution. What happens when you're in that New Year's resolution and it gets hard, right? You're almost to the end of January, so the sort of newness of it may be wearing off. And what do you say to yourself? What do you say to yourself when you're in a transition? You're starting a new hobby. You're starting a new job. You're moving to a new place, meeting new people, entering a new sort of phase of your career or your life, what are you saying to yourself when things get hard? Well, I'll tell you as an educator and someone who, you know, also does research for a living, of course, my first inclination is jump is to jump to the literature. What does the literature say is going on? And I'm trying not to do too much of that because I have a dear friend, Dr. Laura Shaw, who was on the podcast earlier in the fall that, and she reminds me because she does a lot of work around, you know, mind, brain and teaching and sort of what's going on with the brain and, and how we learn what we learn. And she reminds me that it's not always necessary to know exactly what the inner workings of the brain or anything is. It's if you know it's true, then, you know, speak from that. And so part of this discussion is going to be based on just my own experiences and I think and hope that that what I describe will resonate. So, you know, just a snippet, I did go to a Harvard Business Review article that talks about, you know, when things get hard, how do we sort of, you know, talk the brain into doing hard things, if you will. And the article talks out and again, I think this will resonate with many people listening. We're we're naturally inclined to do what simply feels right. I mean, for me, that that makes sense, right? Like, you know, if you think about food, I, you know, the you, you you're drawn to sort of what feels right or what tastes good. Um, if you think about rest, if you think about um, just how you are in your day to day, right? Um, additionally, there's a principle known as the hedonic principle, and there's there's lots of detailed research on this. That I'm not going to go into, but essentially, there is an idea that we often attempt to um, minimize the negative and maximize the positive. And that at the end of the day, we're wired to move towards things that feel good and away from those things that feel uncomfortable. And if you had a chance to read my book, um, Dancing with Discomfort, and if you haven't, I'd love it if you'd pick up a copy. I speak in there, in the right in there, in the early in the book about the literature around you know, when something, when, when a transition occurs and we're feeling those moments of self-doubt, anxiety, and discomfort, we either want to run through it as quickly as we can with our eyes closed and our, our hands over our ears, right? We want to avoid it or we want to walk around it, right? We certainly don't want to spend time in those hard things. And so, 
it made me wonder how could we use coaching, right? How could we use coaching to think about those hard things? The other piece of this, of course, right? So, so you have our sort of knee-jerk or natural reaction to those hard things. We want to minimize the negative, maximize the positive. The other piece that's going on here is that what's going on with the, the, the self-coaching, right? Well, what often happens, and I think in the friendship podcast that Brianne and I did right before um, the holidays, we talked about friendship and the need to be intentional. And we also talked about what it means for a relationship to be hard, for anything to be hard. And what really resonated with me in that conversation is, and, and what I recognize is, what happens with coaching when something gets hard, not great coaching, but coaching or the self-talk is, we often associate hard with what? We must be doing something wrong. If it's this hard, something's going on. I'm making a mistake. I'm not meant to do this. I need to take a shortcut. I need to do something else, right? So put those together, right? We seek out what feels comfortable. We want to maximize the positive and minimize the negative. And we have this voice in our head saying, well, well, this just must not be the right relationship. This must not be the right job. You must be doing something wrong because it's too hard. We also equate easy with right. So it feels like piling on, correct? Do you understand what I'm saying? So like when you hit a transition, when you try a new hobby, <clears throat> when things just get uncomfortable, however that is for you in your world, we have our sort of brain and, and natural inclination to move away from it because we're seeking out the positive over the negative. And we have the self-talk saying, well, yeah, we need to seek out the positive because this was wrong to begin with. We all know though, and, and again, I write about this in the book and there's plenty of literature on this. We know that moments of discomfort whether it's a few minutes, a day, or longer, if we pay attention to those moments, it's where the learning happens. It's where all of the, like, in, in the swirl of that mess, that goop, I was reading with my son last night and we were talking about what the word gobs, gobs and gobs. So if you have gobs and gobs of discomfort, you also have gobs and gobs of opportunity for wonderful things to happen. So how do we reconcile this? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways that we could do it. And, and I would propose, you know, and I talk, again, I talk about this in the book, and that's part of the reason why I sort of propose and offer, you know, transitions training. Because the idea is we need to practice this stuff. We need to spend time in the discomfort we need to be able to name that discomfort and then practice working in it. And the only way to do that practice is to create moments of discomfort. And essentially that's what the transitions training ends up being is us creating and being in moments of discomfort so we can learn to take advantage of them. 
And so a way to be in that practice of discomfort is to also adjust the way we coach ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, to figure out how when we hear that voice, we want to say, I want to be friends with that person, that voice. And it may not even be a person. Maybe it's a, an image or a sound, whatever it is for you. We have to stop being our worst enemy and be our, and be friends. And so what does that look like? Well, think about a hard moment in your own life. And, you know, I'm going to use the Peloton example because it's right there in my brain right now as an example. But as you're, as you're listening, you know, to this section of the podcast, think about a moment, a recent moment that you would define as hard, whether it was writing a paper, teaching a class, talking with a friend, talking with a spouse, a family member, you know, starting a new exercise plan, again, trying something new, whatever that could be. And it doesn't have to be anything huge and monumental. Maybe it was you were driving to a new unfamiliar place and your GPS took you off course. If that felt hard, that's a good example. I'm not looking for anything that has to be a huge milestone. These can be everyday simple things that sometimes are just hard. Maybe it's maybe you're cook doing more cooking at home and and it's hard to, you know, to follow the recipe or figure this out or get it to taste the way you want it. I don't know. I'm just throwing out examples. If I take my Peloton example and I go back to, um, it was like the, I think it was like the third or fourth hill. Christine really had us cranking up the resistance. So at one point I had to stand on the bike to even get the, the sort of pedals to rotate. That's, that's how hard it was feeling. And so that coach I talked about early on in the podcast, of course she showed up, right? This is too hard. What was I thinking? There's no way I can do this. She wants me to do three minutes of this. I can't even imagine doing 30 seconds of this. My legs hurt. I'm tired. I'm starting to breathe heavy. And then, of course, things come in like, I have so much other stuff to do today. Why did I decide to do an out, right? Like, this is probably familiar to everybody in some way, shape, or form. Now let's hit pause and reflect because this is also something we do in coaching and, and something that we might ask if we were in a session. If I was in a session with myself, right, which is self-coaching, I think to myself, if I think back to that moment going up that hill where I had to stand up, What's one thing I'd like to change about what happened? And what I might say is, I'd really like to think of a different way to talk to myself. I'd really like to think of a different way to show up in that space, okay? So what does that mean, to show up in that space? Well, what I mean is, maybe you ask yourself in that moment, lost in an unfamiliar place, having a struggle with a student, having a hard conversation with a colleague or a friend, ask yourself, what are you noticing about this moment? What are you noticing about yourself? What are you noticing? And, and my response to the coach 
during that Peloton session would be, I noticed that this is hard, that my legs hurt, that I feel tired in this moment. Okay, so I'm noticing what I'm feeling. I'm naming what I'm feeling and locating that feeling in different parts of my body. My legs hurt. At one point I was breathing heavy, so I was feeling, you know, gassed. So I'm noticing. Then I wonder what's, you know, what's here? What what is this about? Well, this workout is hard and I'm feeling it in my legs. I'm feeling that hard thing in my legs. So for someone who got lost in in an unfamiliar location, what are you noticing? Well, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I'm I'm a little worried or I'm scared. Well, what are you worried about? Well, I'm worried that I'm I'm lost, right? The point is, you know, not to get too deep into this, but the point is by raising some awareness, by asking yourself that question, you're paying attention to the moment, right? You're paying attention to the moment instead of like heading for the door, right? Running away from that discomfort. You're noticing that discomfort and you're, you're being in it. So then you say to yourself, what do you need to stay in this moment, right? What do you need to stay in this moment? Well, then I start thinking about, if I go back to the Peloton example, I think about things like, I just need to take this, you know, a couple of seconds at a time, 15 seconds at a time, or 20 seconds at a time. I need to stand up for a moment just to give myself a change in position. So I did it, right? I need to stay in it for 10 more seconds to see how I'm feeling and check in again, right? What do you need in that moment? If you're lost in an unfamiliar place, maybe you just need to pull over for a second. Would that be okay? Of course, right? It would be perfectly okay. If you're in the middle of a class teaching or speaking to a colleague, what do you need in that moment, in that moment of discomfort? What would happen if you said to a friend, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling uncomfortable or I'm feeling worried or I'm feeling sad or whatever the feeling that's coming up that's making you want to run away and feel, you know, not feel this discomfort to get more positive. What would happen if you were honest with that person? I don't know. I can't answer that for you, but it, it does make me curious. I think another thing that you could try again, if we're talking about self-coaching and doing a really good job of leveraging those hard moments, how, you know, whatever they look like, however they show up in your life. And and I'm using the Peloton example this morning. There's something in coaching called the 2% truth. And so even things that we adamantly dislike are incredibly difficult. We completely disagree with we can often think about the question of what's 2% true? Even if most of your entire being is adamantly against or disagrees, what's 2% true? So I'm on the Peloton. This is incredibly hard. It's incredibly uncomfortable and it hurts. What's 2% true? 
it in a quiet moment, if I'm coaching myself in the way that would benefit me, that 2% truth would be, I'm really excited that I'm doing this workout because it's really hard and I want to be able to celebrate that victory. Being able to surface that 2% truth might just be the thing you need to get to the next rest interval, right? So when you think about those hard moments, disagreement with a colleague, something just didn't go right at work and you got something wrong, or someone gave you feedback that kind of hurt, what's 2% true? Can you stay curious enough about the moment to find the 2% truth? And when a coach asks that question, when you're asking yourself that question, it's really about perspective taking, right? Um, I'm reading this great book by Nick Susanis right now um, called The Unflattening. And he talks about how the language that we have, you know, the language that we share is a limiting factor for us, right? And so we, we only understand a situation, a scenario, a place, a person through the language that we have. And as we learn new language, we're able to expand or shift our perspective. And so part of coaching and part of that 2% truth question is, how do we move and shift away from those limiting beliefs, right? My limiting belief was, I'm, there's no way I can get through this three-minute interval because this is too hard. And by just asking one question about, you know, what's, what's another perspective on this moment? Well, another perspective is, I'm super psyched that I'm on this bike this morning and that I can participate in this interval. So ask yourself, what's another perspective on getting lost this morning? Maybe it's that you found a beautiful scenic route. Maybe you bumped into a, a cute coffee shop that you never knew, knew existed. Maybe it was time spent in the car with your kids that was joyful and you were singing songs. I don't know. Again, what's another perspective on this uncomfortable moment? Maybe you could ask yourself that. Another great coaching question that you could sort of have at the ready would be, what's more important than the discomfort? So again, we were talking about... um, New Year's resolutions and starting, you know, exercise programs and healthier eating or maybe taking up an instrument or reading more books or, oh my goodness, the, the litany of, of resolutions we could, we could share, right? So if you get to a point with whatever resolution, whatever goal you've set for yourself, and you do have these moments, right? They get hard. They're uncomfortable. You don't think you can do it. So... What's more important than the discomfort? Well, for me, exercising, you know, sometimes I don't always want to do it. Sometimes it it hurts. What's more important to me than the discomfort is feeling really good and feeling healthy and feeling strong and being able to keep up with my kids and my my animals and, and, you know, do the things that I want to do. So in those moments of discomfort, when I'm climbing up that hill and it feels awful, I try to think of, of... What's more important? What's more important is I want to be really excited and celebrate that I finished this. That's more important to me. I want to stay healthy. That's more important to me. 
So when you're in a conversation with someone and it feels uncomfortable, if you're transitioning to a new location, position, a new time in your life, and it's feeling uncomfortable, what would happen if you asked yourself, what's more important than this discomfort I'm feeling? I'm pausing because I don't know the answer, right? As a coach, I don't come with the answers. I come with lots of questions. And then I listen and, and lean in to hear what is more important. I mean, I could speculate based on my own experiences, but that's not my role as a coach. So I, I, I will leave you with that question to think about. What's more important than the discomfort, right? What's more important? The final questions or pieces of maybe information or advice, I don't know, tips or steps, whatever you want to call it. The final thing I'll leave with you with respect to self-coaching is twofold. One, we often talk about, and I hear my students say this, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant, you know, one piece at a time. Um, I also have found similarly that when I go on a long run or if I'm struggling with any run, I try to run what I call point to point. And so I pick out a point that's, you know, not too far away, but feels reasonable. And I run to that point and then I run to the next point. And the same thing with interval training. You have a 60 minute session that's broken into 13 or 15 intervals. It often feels more doable, right? So the first tip I would leave for you is when you're in a hard moment or a hard experience or a hard period of your life, Another question you could ask yourself is, what is one step I could take today to move me towards that goal? What's one step I could take in this discomfort? Don't think about the whole thing. Don't think about the year it's going to take, the three years, the month, the day. What's one step I could take? And the last tip I will leave, and this is a big one for me, it always has been even before I started uh, training as a coach, is take the time to celebrate. And when I say, when I ask a client, I had a couple clients this week, I asked, because they didn't come to the session with a topic. So the question I asked to get us started was, what are you celebrating? And one of my clients sort of joked with me and said, do you mean a holiday? And I said, well, it could be if that's if that feel if that resonates with you. And at the end of the day, this question, what are you celebrating? It could be anything. It could be it's literally what are you celebrating? If it's celebrating that you woke up and it's a beautiful day, that your dog, I don't know, woke you up with a, you know, a dog kind of smile, that you got to go for a run, that you got to have breakfast with your kids, that you're starting a new job, that you're getting married. What Whatever it is, what are you celebrating? In those moments of discomfort, when you start to notice and name the discomfort you're feeling in your head, in your body, in your legs, in your heart, wherever it is, think about what's another perspective I could take on this moment. Think about what's more important than the discomfort I'm feeling in this moment. Ask yourself, what's one step I could take in this discomfort today? And then please, please, please ask yourself, what am I celebrating in the midst of this discomfort? 
because I honestly don't think we take enough time to celebrate the, th- the small things. We celebrate the big things. We mark those milestones. We mark those holidays. And we sometimes move from point to point, which is one birthday to the next, one holiday to the next, one degree to the next, one grade level to the next, one promotion to the next. But what are we doing to celebrate the everyday regular life moments. I remind my doctoral students that being a doctoral student is a very long journey. Students take three, four, five, and sometimes 10 years. And if you wait to celebrate graduating from a doctoral program, you're going to be waiting a long time. And so what I remind them is celebrate the small things. Celebrate that you finished your first semester as a doc student. Celebrate that you successfully completed your first assignment, that you made it through the first week. Whatever the celebration is, whatever is resonating with you, that is another way to be in the discomfort. You can be in uncomfortable moments. Let's hold these two things, right? We talked a lot about paradox in the fall. You can be in an uncomfortable moment, a moment of discomfort, and I bet you can find a small thing to celebrate. Remember, what's 2% true in this moment? What's another perspective I could take? What's more important than the discomfort I'm feeling? And what am I celebrating? So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I have a lot of people who, you know, I talk to about coaching who say, I, I don't really understand what that is. I don't know if I need it. How does it work? And what I'm here to remind everybody is about is you're already doing some kind of coaching. Um, you, you are talking to yourself. And if you do nothing else this week um, related to the podcast, Pay attention to that self-talk. He, listen really carefully about how you're coaching yourself right now. Look at how you coach. Listen to the words you use. What kind of coach are you for yourself? How are you showing up for yourself? And if you feel like you are your worst inner critic, if you feel like as you listen to that inner coach and you feel like, I really wouldn't want to be friends with that person. Try some of the tips I shared on how to be a good friend and a good coach for yourself. I know for some of you, this is going to seem weird. Carrie's talking about talking to ourselves and self-coaching and scoaching. But look, I am confident that everybody out there talks to themselves. Look, you don't have to admit it to me. You don't have to admit it to anybody. But I just... I I don't land on 100% certainty very often, but I just really believe that we're talking to ourselves. It might not be apparent, you know, completely obvious or apparent to you immediately. So spend the next couple of days just noticing that. Notice when something happens, good, bad, or indifferent. How are you talking to yourself? What are you saying? What's coming up? Do you have a, a reaction, a thought, a feeling? How are you responding and interacting with yourself? And I'll bet you there are opportunities to change that self-talk. I bet you there are. So I will leave you with 
the fact that I am celebrating that I get to do this podcast and I get to interact with so many of my awesome listeners out there and I get to speak with people like Danielle Scarano and Brianne Roos and all the wonderful, wonderful guests that we get to have on this podcast. So um, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and I look forward to hearing how your scoaching works out. All right, everybody. Take care. So sincere Under the glaciers Your last year Someday searching for Melodies Pulling around in Mountain streams Galaxies we Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.